0: Welcome to week six of Right Side Up, our sixth and final week. How's this series been for you guys? I think it's been my favorite series that we've ever done. And as a disclaimer, come back in a few weeks, I may say the same thing about the next series because my goodness, it's locked and loaded. Make sure you are here next week. This next one's going to be good. But Right Side Up has been special for me. For the last six weeks, we've been talking about how lots of things that Jesus said feel upside down to us, right? If you wanna be great, learn how to serve. If you wanna be first, learn how to be last. And yet the reality is, is that the world that we're living in is actually upside down, which means that Jesus didn't come to turn things upside down, he came to put them right side up. And if we wanna experience the true life and love that Jesus came to bring, it looks like following the way of Jesus. And so we've covered a lot of ground uh, over the last few weeks. Truth in a relative world, and simplicity in a complex world, and surrender in a control freak world. And of course, last week, praying big prayers in a play it small world. Today, I thought long and hard about how to end this, how to land this plane. And then I read one last prayer card. Somebody said this, Lord, please help me to not be the same person I was yesterday. (sighs) Help me grow with you each day. Shout out to whoever wrote that. I thought that is, that's it, right? That's what Jesus came to do. He came to bring a, a way for us to experience real transformation in a world, an upside down world that shouts at us that everything has to stay the same. So like the hurt, that you're experiencing, this upside-down world wants to tell us that that hurt's gonna be permanent in your life. That habit that you can't seem to stop dealing with, this upside-down world wants to tell you that it's forever. That hang-up, the upside-down world wants to tell you that you're gonna be hung up on that thing for the rest of your life. Jesus, 2,000 years ago, came with a different message, that today doesn't actually have to be like it was yesterday, that we can step into a new life, that we can actually experience transformation. I don't know about you, I need that. Like, like, there's the person I wanna be, and then there's the person that I am most days. Like, I wanna be a non-anxious presence. Every time I walk into a room, it's a high value of mine. I, I want people to feel peace. I want them to feel like a, like a, whew. And yet, so often I walk into a room and my mind just runs with all these anxious thoughts, like, whoa, well, what do they think about me? Am I being funny enough? Maybe I should tell a joke. Oh no, that joke was offensive, now I need to apologize. Wait, would it look weird if I apologize? Should I call them later, what should I do? Just send a group text of I'm sorry, but I'm right here in the room, is that strange? Oh, I'm a pastor, maybe I should be like super spiritual right now, should I pray for them? Is that gonna be weird, or do they have friends that aren't believers? This is gonna be so bizarre, and, and my mind is just going a million miles per hour, meanwhile, I'm, I'm going, hey, there's this person I wanna be, It's an anxious presence. And then there's a lot of distance and then there's the person that I currently am. The message of Jesus though is that transformation is possible and that each day we can take a step in the right direction. I wanna be an encourager. I wanna be somebody that encourages everybody that I see. And yet so often I get to the end of my day and I realize that much of what I did throughout the course of the day was to get encouragement from other people. So it's less about man, I hope this sermon encourages somebody. And more about, man, I hope I did a good enough job that I'll get a lot of encouragement for it. Why? Because there's a distance between who I am and who I want to be. I don't think I'm alone in this. Maybe I am. We can just head out and go watch some football. right? But I don't think I'm alone in this. Luckily, transformation is what Jesus does best. So I titled this sermon, Transformation, in a stagnant world. Transformation in a stagnant world. We're going to learn how Jesus um, will enable us if we will uh, allow him to be different today, just like the card said, than we were yesterday. You guys ready to, to take some steps forward? Yeah. We're gonna end this series out the right way. And um, we gotta do it by reading one of one of my favorite verses. It's a verse in 1 John chapter 4, verse seven. If you just get this verse, I'm telling you, you're gonna experience transformation this week. Beloved, John writes, underline that word if you write in your Bibles, or highlight it if you're on your phone. Let us love one another, for love is from God. And whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Here's why I share this verse with you. that verse was well fought for. John wrote that verse around ninety five we think a d so let's wind the clocks back ninety five a d there was a church in Ephesus, which if you've read your Bible you might uh, that name might sound familiar when Paul wrote the letter Ephesians that letter was to the church in ephesus and um they were meeting one Sunday morning, 95 AD. St. Jerome wrote about this a few hundred years later. And in the middle of the sermon, the back doors opened and everybody went silent. That's a good timing on that door. <laughs> because John entered the room and John was the last person left who had actually been with Jesus. So around 30 AD, Jesus gets a group of of disciples together and over the course of three years, they all experienced tremendous transformation. So like Matthew goes from being a hated, isolated tax collector to being a guy surrounded by a bunch of community making a difference in the world. Mary Magdalene from the best we can tell from context clues had a, a wild past before she met Jesus and then she becomes one of the key players of the early church. And then John was a fisherman. And uh, at the time, fishermen were were known for being very territorial because you relied on fish to feed your family. And so we think that John had a bit of an anger issue going on. In fact, Jesus actually gives him the nickname the Son of Thunder. We don't quite know why, but but here's uh, a good hint. Luke chapter nine. When the disciples James and John saw this, they saw a bunch of people um, making fun of Jesus, coming after Jesus, here's what he said. Lord, do you want us to call fire down from heaven to destroy them? This is Jesus. This is like right side up, Jesus. He's like, well, we gotta love our neighbors. You know, we gotta, we gotta be good to each other. And John's like, yeah, 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 but those guys are talking trash, and so why don't we call fire down from heaven? I'll take care of this. We'll just wipe them off the face of the earth. And Jesus is like, you're, you're the son of thunder, man. Like, like, you've got a long ways to go. But the upside down world saw John, and that's all they, that they saw. Jesus saw John and saw what he could be. And Jesus said, hey, you're coming with me. You're sticking with me, and you just watch over the next few decades, the transformation that takes place in your life. Six decades later, we're back in 95 AD in that church in Ephesus. John's the last one left who had actually been with Jesus. He's old at this point, so old that his disciples have to carry him in. Door opens, goes silent. John gets carried in by his disciples and up onto the stage. It would be like if somebody walked in right now who actually spent time with Jesus, I would. Be like, you you go, you know, like tell us some more stories about Jesus. What was he like? Doesn't have much breath left in his lungs at this point. Everybody leans in. John simply goes, hey, we gotta love each other. That was it. In fact, St. Jerome says that, that oftentimes that would be his entire message, his entire sermon. I thought about just doing that. Yeah, it's week one of the NFL. Maybe I just say that and then we get out of here. Um, John got to a point by the end of his life where he was known as the apostle of love. And when you read his writings, you see why. All over the place, beloved, let us love. Beloved, let us love. How do you go from being the son of thunder to being the apostle of love? Jesus. You spend time with Jesus. When you do that, transformation actually takes place. It's not just probable; it's guaranteed. It's promised when we spend time with Jesus. That's why I love. At the end of his life, he wrote. You throw uh, First John back up on the screen. Beloved, let us love. Beloved, let us love. So I thought it would be helpful just to give you you four quick, easy, practical steps towards transformation based off of of this verse today. Because, by the way, um, information is great, but Jesus was about transformation. And inspiration is great, but Jesus was about something more than that. Like, you ever been to a conference where it's like the most inspiring thing in the world, and you leave feeling like you're like ready to run through a wall, and then you get back to your office, and you're like, I don't, but I didn't, I don't know what to do still, (laughs) you know? (laughs) So I want this to, to not just be uh, inspirational, and I don't just wanna give you information, I want this to lead to actual transformation. Four steps, the first is this, live from loved. Live from loved. Throw up First John 4 one more time. What does John say? He doesn't just say, hey, go love each other. Try really hard to go love. He goes, beloved. He starts with our identity. Hey, who you are is loved. You are the beloved. God loves you. Now that you know that, go love each other. I've noticed in my life over the years that that lots of the the things that I have done have been me trying to live for love. Well, well maybe if I do enough good things, then people will will love me. Maybe if I I help God out enough, (laughs) then God will say, well done, good and faithful servant. It wasn't until I was, I was leading a, a mission trip in Guatemala years ago, and I was uh, sitting up, there's this really cool balcony. The end of the day, everybody had gone to bed. I was years into leading these trips, and I was exhausted. I was so tired, like a different kind of soul tired. And um, I'm looking out over this beautiful country, and I'm reading a book called The Life of the Beloved by Henry Nouwen. And he starts talking uh, about how Jesus, before he even did any ministry, God was already saying, hey, this is my son with whom I am well pleased. And he starts talking about the importance of starting from, you already belong. So, so like, remember those two different people that I was talking about, the person I wanna be and the person I am? What I had to get through my mind is this person right here is already loved. Not once I get there, but right here and right now. We have to start from loved. If we don't, we'll end up living for love. I realize this all the time when I um, start to get anxious uh, about a social uh, situation that I'm walking into. I'll be sitting in my car, I'll I'll start to feel that, that very familiar anxiety. And I'll stop and I'll realize, well, I feel that right now because I'm thinking I have to go perform in order for these people to love me. I'm gonna go live for love. And I stop myself and I go, I'm not gonna do that anymore. I'm gonna start from love. And then from there, I'm going to walk into this room and just try to encourage people. It's the foundation of transformation. Start from love, live from love. Let's talk about your hurts, habits, and hangups, the stuff that you just can't seem to get out of your life. Is there a chance, I'm preaching to myself here, is there a chance that, that somewhere in your mind you still think you have to string together a few good weeks in order to, to earn God's love for you? When we do that, when we start living for loved, we're, we're guaranteeing ourselves that, that you might stay, stay sober for a couple of weeks or whatever, but eventually you're gonna fall right back into it unless you start from, no, I already belong. I'm already loved. And then from there, you go out into the world and you do your best to, to turn an upside down world right side up. Start from loved. Number two is simply this, ask for help. I didn't have this in uh, my sermon until Friday, um, mostly because this is the the most challenging one for me. I don't know who else I'm talking to today. I'm not great at admitting, I'm good at admitting that I'm here and I wanna be there. I'm not good at saying, so would you guys please help me? And God, would you please help me? I just never have, I've always been super independent. And that takes us to seventh grade math class. Mrs. B's math class. Let me preface this by saying, words have always come a lot easier to me than numbers. And so when Mrs. B, by the way, any teachers in the room for another year? Yes, let's make some noise for our teachers. We're so proud of you guys, we appreciate you, thank you for all your hard work. Mrs. B towards the end of the the school year said, okay, this section is gonna be a little different, you guys are gonna be the teachers. Which, by the way, I don't know, teachers, if that's like strategy, because you know, if you can teach something, that's the best way to learn it, or if it's just laziness. But I just want you to know that, that either way, like, we got your back. Do whatever you, you, you got to do. Mrs. B goes, so, so this is your turn. And she put us in groups of four. She came by my group and she said, Okay, Ryan, your job is to teach the greatest common factor. Some of you are nervous right now. There won't be a test on this. Everyone breathe. Greatest common factor. And for the next three weeks, I sat at my desk and stared at my math book. And I could not, it, I had no idea. Like I couldn't figure any of it out. So I ended up just like having fun and making jokes with my group. And they'd be like, Ryan, you good with your section? And I'd be like, oh yeah, just call my number. Send them past me the ball, I got this. Like deep denial, So so much denial that the morning of, I'm walking to school going, oh, I have to present on the greatest common factor today. And there's a part of my brain that's like red lights, like this is bad, you don't know what that is. And there's another part of my brain going, I think this is gonna go well, you know? And, and stick with me here, this is gonna help some people because doubling down on denial is a real thing. And sometimes we do it with things that are a lot more serious than arithmetic, right? So I'm walking into the classroom, and I'm still thinking, I think I got it. They call up our group. I'm making like a walk of shame up for it. I feel like Michael Scott and Scott's Tots at this point. (laughs) We're we're like, a part of me knows, but a part of me doesn't want to admit it. Sure enough, my friend Kelly is kind of the, the MC of the group. He goes, all right. Now Ryan's gonna teach you all about the greatest common factor. And in that moment, I realized that I have two options. I could go make something up, or I could go, hey, I'm sorry, I messed up. Uh, I don't understand this, I need some help. And I knew what I needed to do. So I said, all right, seventh grade, you guys ready to learn about the greatest common factor? Turn to your neighbor and say, you were born for such a math class as this. (laughs) Greatest common factor. Hey, we're not gonna be able to talk about how to find it until we know what it is. And so like, it's like if you go on a road trip and you have no destination, you're just gonna be driving around in circles the whole way. So let's take a step back and talk about what we mean by greatness. By the way, this class is full of greatness. (laughs) Look to your left, look to your right. Greatness waiting to be unlocked. That's what we all have in common and that is the thing we need to factor in to this class. And so, tonight, tonight, before you sit down to do your math homework, I want you to take a moment and look in the mirror. I want you to remind yourself, there's greatness in my heart waiting to be discovered. I am not common. <laughs> and that is what we need to factor into this equation, the greatest common factor. And I just back up. <laughs> My friend Kelly, who's a, r- a real friend, steps forward and he goes, Ryan, that was so good, thanks man. Now we're gonna go least common denominator. And so Kelly starts teaching least common denominator, and then you just hear this voice from the back go, Nope. <laughs> Mrs. B stands up. She walks up front and she goes, Ryan, that's, that wasn't anything. <laughs> and I'm sitting there like, well, it, was, it was something, right? She goes, no, it wasn't anything. And so I have to sit down and Mrs. B teaches for the next 10 minutes, all of us, including me, what the greatest common factor is. Three weeks of denial. All I had to do was raise my hand and say, hey, I don't get this. I don't learn very well this way. Would you please help me? Can you explain this to me? That's like every math teacher's dream, student to ask that question. That's imperfect math teachers. Imagine how much our perfect loving father loves it when we say, God, I need some help. Uh, I, I wanna get there, but I'm still here. Would you help Uh, Imagine how powerful it is when you uh, turn to your community, the people around you, and you say, hey, I'm not there, I can't do this on my own. Would you surround me? Would you help me? Paul says it like this, Galatians 6, 2. He says, carry each other's burdens. I've learned over the years that they can't carry my burdens if they don't know what the burdens are. So ask for help. Start from love, live from love. Ask for help. Third thing I would say is this, change your mind. The battleground for so much of transformation takes place in our mind. That's not my opinion, that's the Bible. Let's read what Paul says in Romans chapter 12 and verse two. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. Do not conform to the upside down reality of this world. But man, it's tempting to, isn't it? Paul says, so so go to war, don't conform to it. Instead, be transformed, there's our word, how? By the renewing of your mind. Paul goes, the battleground is right here. If you wanna experience transformation, it starts by renewing your mind, by thinking about the things you think about. Now in the last few decades, neuroscientists have done a ton of work to back this up. And by the way, I'm a big fan of when science catches up with scripture. They're, they're putting language to what the Bible has been, been shouting from the rooftop for, for thousands of years now. Uh, Caroline Leaf, Dr. Caroline Leaf, is one of the, the, the forerunners, um, thought leaders in this field. I love her work. She's uh, amazing. One of the things that she says is we have 30,000 thoughts every single day 30,000 thoughts. I'm an overthinker, so overachiever in that regard. So I think my, my number is probably a little higher. Um, 80% of those thoughts are negative. 95% of those thoughts are recycled from the day before. 19 out of 20 thoughts are from yesterday. Did you see that math I just did? <laughs> Cody, call Mrs. B. Tell her I, I ended up okay. 19 out of 20 of our thoughts are from the day before. Do you see how this upside down world encourages us to stay stagnant? You hear one thing, you get one bad thought, one insecure thought in your mind and you play it on repeat day after day after day. The inverse is also true. When we start thinking about what we think about and we start infusing some gospel truth into that rotation, transformation just happens naturally. Paul says it like this, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we get this, take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Take your thoughts captive. I will I love like the war imagery. Paul goes, "Hey, the the I have those thoughts too. And so I've learned to to stop and take them captive. I've been practicing this. I take this verse very seriously. Yet yesterday, I was on my way to the coffee shop to go through my notes, and I start having those thoughts. Every time, those of you who create anything, you, you know this, you get really excited up top, and then it's a lot of work to get it done, and then there's like this dip where you go, this is awful, this is terrible. <laughs> but if you press through, you realize that, that there's some, some good news on the other side of that. Well, I was in the dip yesterday, walking up into the coffee shop, This sermon's no good. Nobody's gonna, nobody's gonna resonate with this. Who am I to talk about transformation? It doesn't even make sense. Why, who, who does four points on transformation? Like, right, like, like all these different thoughts start going through my mind, and so I order my coffee, I get a, a sandwich on a bagel, and I go to my table, and I take a seat, and I, I put my feet on the ground, I close my eyes, and I go to war. I take my thought captive. The way I do it is I, I give it a name. I go, okay, this is what I'm thinking right now. Here, Here is the lie. And then I uh, give it some space. I allow myself to, to feel it. And then I start preaching gospel truth over it. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is alive and moving in me. Certainly, if he can raise Jesus from the dead, he can help me write a sermon. We've got this, I am a child of God. Romans 8.1 says there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Romans 8.28 says he works all things together for the good of those who believe. Galatians 5.1 says it is for freedom that Christ has set me free, and so I'm going to stand firm and not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Take your thoughts captive. I open my eyes and the barista is just standing right there. (laughs) She goes, I'm so sorry. I didn't wanna interrupt you. We're out of bagels. It's like, oh, can I put it on bread? It's like, yeah, put it on bread, that's fine. Don't mind me, I'll just be over here taking thoughts captive. You can start this week getting some, some gospel truth into your, your thought life, into that, that rotation, because that's the, the beautiful thing. 95% is gonna be recycled. Might as well be a good thing that we're, that we're recycling. Right, So maybe as we sing in a few minutes, your job today is just to fix your eyes on God and what God thinks about you and start to eliminate some of those negative, upside down thoughts and replace them with the right side up reality of the kingdom of heaven that Jesus loves you, that he died for you. God loved you so much he sent his son so that whoever would believe, Whoever would believe would experience eternal life. You're not stagnant. You live in, in, in the reality of the right side up kingdom, which means that today can be different than yesterday. Amen? Amen? Last thing I would say is simply this. Don't give up. Band, you guys can come on up. Don't, don't give up. Never give up. Look, transformation takes time. and I just wish that wasn't true. <laughs> I really do. Um but it does, and uh, on, on Thursday, I had a moment. Uh, we, we, we were in Colorado with the, the staff and we were at a, a weekend recording and Doug was about to get up on stage and preach and Ethan and I were in the audience and a couple showed up named Rodney and Rodas. They are uh, missionaries in the Dominican Republic and Haiti um, who we've known for a long, long time. Um, they're changing the world. And uh, 10 years ago, we got to live with them for a couple of months. And at the time, we were so fresh into this whole thing um, that like we knew, we, we, we loved the preaching part of it, or starting to, we weren't any good at it, but we, we loved trying. And, and we loved like the throwing the party aspect of it. But all like the living like Jesus, loving your neighbor, it was all brand new to us. So we get to this base and we spend time with Rodney and Rodis and their f- amazing family. And it'd be like s- some days we would be at a prison and Ethan would be sharing his testimony, but then the next day they'd be handing us garbage bags, like trash bags and gloves. They'd be like, okay, now we're gonna walk around and pick up trash all day. And, and, and they were one of the, the, the first people in, in our lives to, to really exemplify what it looks like to serve and to love and to not ask anything in return. And I remember 10 years ago just being at a point where I was like, man, I'm never gonna be able to be like that, I've got so far to go. And uh, on Thursday, Ethan and I are are worshiping and they're standing right next to us and I have this moment where I just break down. And I realize that Doug's about to get up on the stage and do what he was born to do, what he does so well. This, this thing, sermons that he's just crafted so well. And Ethan's standing next to me and just sent a, a big check over to Rodney and, and Rodas to help them uh, finish their, their base so that they can bring even more people in and make even more of a difference in the Dominican Republic and help heaven get more crowded in the Dominican Republic, which by the way is because so many of you are so generous and so thank you for that. But I was also thinking, man, it's also because Ethan is so strategic. And and over the years, he's just gotten so good at at leading and figuring out how to to run a church in a way where we can use our resources to bless other people and truly make heaven more crowded. And I'm sitting there and I'm I'm starting to cry because I realized, you know what? It's working. Transformation is happening. It may be slow. (laughs) There may be some days where it doesn't feel like it. In fact, over those last 10 years, I could point out a whole lot of wrong turns that we took. And and yet, because we didn't give up, because we kept learning to live from love, because we learned to, to ask for help, because we're learning to change our mind, and because we're determined to not give up, we actually are becoming more and more like Jesus every day. And I felt like I needed to share that story to simply say this. If there's somebody in this room or somebody watching online who has given up on transformation, today's your day to stop that. Transformation is actually possible. This upside down world that we live in may try to convince you otherwise, but I'm telling you the truth. With Jesus today can always be a new day. His mercy is made new today. So don't give up. Last verse, Paul says it like this. Being confident of this. Hey, let this be your confidence today. Being confident of this. He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. I lied. One one more verse. Tracy, put Galatians 3.3 up there too. How is he going to do that? Paul writes this, are you so foolish, having begun by the Spirit? <laughs> are you now being perfected by the flesh? That's me all the time, man. I'm sitting there in worship next to my, my mentors for the last 10 years, going, we, we did it. Transformation is happening. But like, maybe I should take it from here, <laughs> you know? Like maybe, I got I, I, I got this. And the Bible is just this invitation over and over and to come back, surrender, and say, God, I need help. Spirit, you started this good work in me. This is your problem now. Would you carry this on to completion? Because I know who I am, but I also know who I want to be. And as this person wrote, where is it? I feel like I'm doing a magic trick right now. Because the Spirit of God lives inside of us, we can pray every day, Lord, please help me to not be the same person I was yesterday. Help me grow with you each day. It's my prayer for you today. So if you guys stand up to your feet, if you're able. As we worship, as we sing a song, fear is not my future, just declare these words and let them, let them sink from, from your head into your heart. We declare out loud that that our, our stories are not over and that transformation is actually possible in this stagnant world because we know Jesus. Father, we love you so much. I thank you for every person in this room. I thank you for everybody watching online. Lord, would you remind us right now in the name of Jesus that transformation is possible. Would you help us live from love? Would you allow us even as we worship to raise our hands and ask for help Lord, empower us this week to change our minds. And for the person in this room who's ready to give up, I pray an extra ounce of grace and your blessing over them right now. Remind them that you love them, that you care about them, and that you aren't finished with them yet. In Jesus' name, amen.